93.3 and AM 560. Hey, that was the old regime. Who's going to go to jail for this? KWTO. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Good morning. You're here on Wake Up Springfield, KWTO, um, AM 560. This is the uh, show that is normally hosted by former Speaker of the House, Tim Jones. I am not Speaker Jones. I am uh, Darren Chapel filling in for him this morning. I'm state rep from Eastern Green County, Southern Springfield, the 137th District. And this morning we are joined, I think for the first time here on this station ever, it is. We we should have had him on a lot sooner. Tim Tim said that yesterday. He's like, "Oh man, why have we never had John Patterson on?" So I have no idea, but we're going to really do good. we're going to do it this morning. Majority floor leader John Patterson. Good morning, sir. Good morning to you guys. Uh, yeah, glad to be on with you. Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> you forgot love your show. <laughs> so how are you today? No, it's good to be with the good people of Green County. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's great up here in uh, Lee Summit in Jackson County, and, uh, you know, we're just going to see what the day holds. You bet. You bet. So you are the majority floor leader. Can you just briefly explain to the listeners what that position is? Yeah, I like to tell people that it's basically the air traffic controller of the Missouri House of Representatives. So we have 163 members, and um, as you can imagine, in a body that large, with that many people trying to uh, pass bills for their constituents, there has to be somebody that kind of manages what, what gets heard on the floor of the house, what, what bills get priority. So that's kind of my job to kind of talk with all the members uh, the, of the Republican uh, conference and decide what we want to do and then put those on the floor and try to advance an agenda that benefits everybody. Yeah. And, um, it's just my first session of my first term, but um, in my limited experience thus far as an actual legislator, combined with 30 years of teaching this stuff, I think you do a terrific job. Well, thanks, Darren. And, and, and Darren does a great job, too. He is a bulldog, on, especially on, the, on things like the budget, and I think you saved the state a lot of money. Well, uh, thank you. It, it, was, uh, it, was, it was frustrating this year because I found that $1.2 billion dollars that we're, one department is carrying in excess appropriation. I was only able to pull $93 million of it out of the budget. But uh, but you were very kind and encouraging in that effort. Um, so I, I think we've got more work to do. I've already been in contact with uh, uh, staff in Jeff City about starting on next year's budget. Hopefully we can get more accomplished. Absolutely. I hope um, you, know, you get your hands in there and get... Get your hands dirty and uh, see what else you can do for the people. Yeah, yeah. So what do you see, first of all, not all of our priorities got through this year. Um, we, we did not get ed reform done. We got it done in the House, a very milk toast version, but the Senate dropped the ball. And um, we didn't get IP done. Uh, uh, we, didn't, we didn't get that accomplished, that IP reform, initiative petition reform. And I, and I want to be clear to the listeners, the only thing we were trying to change was the in, initiative petition efforts to change the Constitution, not statutory questions. Um, so right. so we, didn't, we, didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get either one of those done. But 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that we should focus on next year when we go back is trying to do something uh, for the Constitution. Uh, and I was just at a Lee Summit Chamber event last week, and 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 when you when you really talk to people about it, and like you said, we we want to preserve the people's ability to pass laws through the referendum process. Um, we want to preserve that because that is democracy uh, in action. But when you have a constitution that can be changed with 50% of the vote on an August afternoon with very few people voting, uh, I think that needs to be changed. And when you make changes to the constitution, what I'd like to see and what we'd all like to see is that it's a, it's a document that we, it's the foundation of our government. So when we change it, it really should reflect consensus and compromise. And so that is why we'd like to see it, just like the U.S. Constitution. You know, it's very difficult to change the U.S. Constitution, and for good reason. Uh, We'd like to see it where it it has a little higher threshold than 50% of the vote on an August afternoon. Yeah. So the. And whether that's 55%, 60%, whether it's you have to pass it two, you know, two years in a row, which some states do. I mean, uh, a lot of states have this. This is, we're not doing something that's out of, out of the ordinary. Um, I think California has a 60% threshold. Florida has a 55%. It, it just, to change the Constitution, I think it should be something different than just a simple majority. Yeah, and my preference is a concurrent majority formula. Yeah, whether it's that or a higher right. number. It's just something different than just a simple majority. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's, it, it is broad consensus that should determine what goes in. And, and as it is now... 50% plus one, you've got a significant amount of population in the blue centers of our state, St. Louis, Kansas City, Columbia, to a lesser extent, Springfield. Um, and so when you combine those efforts, you've got very limited geographical consideration for something and what they so pleasantly refer to the rest of us as outstate Missouri, which I just can't stand. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, but, I don't like that term either. And yeah. I, yeah, I just think, and once again, for your listeners, it, we want the citizens to go out and be able to pass uh, laws uh, as they see fit. I think that's, that's something nobody's uh, disagreeing with that. Uh, but to change the Constitution, the foundational document to our democracy, we would just like to see it be a little bit more difficult to change than 50%. Well, and, and the reason is not just because it's it's it is not just because it's not because we don't want input from the people but right. there are so many things that are in the constitution now that frankly are frivolous and have no business being in that document um our, right. const- our bingo con- comes to mind bingo is a is a classic one but so also is recreational marijuana uh, yeah that- there's all kinds of things in there you know and if you if you take a look at the u.s constitution a document which I know you revere, I revere, um, as a legislator, uh, you know, I think 3000 attempts have been made to change that. And it's only been done a, a very a handful of times. Um, and can you just imagine if, if we could change the U S constitution with a 50% vote, the chaos that would ensue. Yeah. And when you, when you say, uh, when you, when, you know, it's only been amended 27 times and 10 of those came all at once at right, the very yeah. beginning. And the 27th was part of the original package. It just took a long time for it to be ratified. Um, right. And one of the amendments was to take away booze, and then the next and one was to bring it, back. bring it back. So when you look yeah. at actual 
functional changes of the constitutional mm-hmm. form is so extraordinarily maybe, limited. Yeah, maybe 10. Yeah, whereas so. in the state of Missouri, we have had our constitution since 1945, so it's not, yeah. not even been around that long, and it's been amended 122 times. <laughs> right, and the, you know, the the U.S. Constitution is, sits on a few pieces of parchment, the Missouri Constitution makes a nice doorstop. It's that <laughs> Well, and just the just the recreational marijuana thing was thirty nine thirty nine pages. Yeah, single yeah. space. And um, the reality of it is, so it could have just said weed is legal, and that doesn't take long. Uh, but it's what else is in there that very few people actually read or understood. And now that's constitutional. And, and just as a classic right. example. In Missouri, yes, it is not illegal to have marijuana up to three ounces, but three ounces and above is still a criminal offense in this state, and that's in the Constitution. So if and when the national government decriminalizes marijuana, it'll be legal all over the country, except here, of course, where because it's constitutionally enshrined, three ounces and above will get you in trouble, and we in the legislature will not be able to change that. Right. Once again, just illustrating the the problems associated with changing the constitution. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, uh, John, we got to take a quick break here. uh, And uh, when we come back, we'll uh, continue this discussion. You can hold on. Can you? Yeah. All right. We'll be right back with uh, Dr. John Patterson, majority floor leader for the Missouri house of representatives right here on KWTO. Traffic from the KWTO Traffic Center. A couple of different issues out there this time around. We have uh, one vehicle crash, Kansas Expressway, just uh, a little bit past Bennett. It's actually closer to Elfendale, southbound on Kansas at Elfendale, the right lane. The illegal aliens have been released into our communities. 93.3 and AM 560, KWTO. Just a young gun. You're listening to Wake Up Springfield with former Speaker of the House Tim Jones, News Director Don Luzader, and Producer Cass Bowen Anderson on 93.3 and AM 560 KWTO. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning. All right, we are back here on KWTO, Wake Up Springfield, with former Speaker of the House, Tim Jones, the uh, pup, the people's speaker, as he has trademarked himself. And uh, he's not here today, though. Uh, I'm Darren Chappell filling in for him, and we have on the line with us uh, Dr. John Patterson, who is the majority floor leader for the Missouri House of Representatives. And uh, we're happy to have you here, John. Glad to be with you. So we were talking about initiative petition, which I agree needs to be a big, a big issue that we address in the coming uh, session in January. What else are you seeing as being priorities that we need to be dealing with? Well, I think you mentioned it earlier, but I think education is something that we should always uh, look at. It should be the priority for for every session. Uh, you know, we. Uh, I'm fortunate to be up here in, in Lee Summit. We have great school dist- public school districts, Lee Summit and Blue Springs. My children are in uh, the same school district I was in when I grew up. We love it. They go to public schools. They love it. Um, what we would like to see is that every child in has that same opportunity. So if you're not in a good school and you're not fortunate enough to live in a place that has a good school, that you have options available so that you can get out there get an education and, and, and um, go out and have, have our kids get the jobs that they need and compete in the global global workforce. Sure, 
Sure. Um, of course, that comes back to the money that I found, which was in the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Uh, $1.2 billion of over-appropriation that they've carried year over year over year. Uh, and when I called the DESE representative into my office for a meeting, I was told that the reason they hadn't spent the money yet was because school districts were flush across the state. I'm not sure they know that. You know, I, I don't know that they know that they have more money than they can handle, but that was the reason why I was given why DESE hadn't spent the money that they'd been appropriated for multiple years in a row. I, I think we have to deal with DESE as well, not, not just this question of school choice and education reform at the local level but desi has 1800 employees across the state it's a 10 billion dollar budget 12 percent of which is fictitious and I, th- I think we have to deal with that issue as well yeah i haven't dealt with the department much i, I do know that um that there are good people working there and that they that they take their job seriously but yeah i think as a legislature it's our job to provide oversight and yeah. so to your efforts uh, to do that, I think I think you're doing a great job, and we just have to make sure that the kids are getting what they need. I, I totally agree. Uh, not not me doing a great job, although thank you. I agree that kids need to ha- be our uh, one of our primary focuses. Uh, another one, I just was in a forum last night for the Greene County Pachyderms and the Greene County Republican Women, along with um, Bill Owen, uh, Alex Riley, Melanie Stennett, and Curtis Trent, and... I know it's a contentious issue, but the trans bill came up as well. Yeah, I, I assume uh, that the Packers were happy with uh, the bills we passed. They were. Every, everybody was. Um, but the four-year sunset that the Senate put on the puberty blockers, we're going to have to come back and deal with that as well. Yeah, I assume there will be efforts to to change that. And, um, and, and what you're talking about is in the bill that was passed in four years, it would not, the the law would expire. So I think there will be efforts to kind of keep that going. Yeah, and, and just so the listeners are clear, only part of the law expires. The portion of the law that says there can be no sex reassignment surgeries for children under 18 years old, that does not expire. That That's, that's the law. Mm-hmm. The portion yeah. that there is a sunset clause on are the puberty blockers. Right. Which... And I know you're a doctor. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but from my from my study and my uh, research on this, the puberty blockers may be the most heinous part of the equation, frankly, um, because of the long term um, effects that are are you you we can't we can't bring it back. You know, these some of these people are especially young women. Are, are sterilized in the process. It's the same drug we've used in the past to chemically castrate rapists. It's the same concepts. And uh, I, we're dealing with people that are, that are young and are troubled um, emotionally and psychologically, and we're making decisions that impact them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, as a physician, I certainly think that these drugs um, and their effects on children deserve to be studied and i think what you're seeing in a lot of european countries is that they're kind of backing off on doing this and that they've done this and they're now saying well maybe we should not be doing this as much what i'd like to see is that uh, if this is done that it's studied thoroughly 
that the kids get counseling, they get mandatory counseling, that you can't have drugs without counseling, and that we as a society uh, kind of decide, should we be doing this? Should we not be doing this? Who is it best for? Is it best for anybody? Right. And uh, I think the, one of the effects of the law that the General Assembly passed is that it's kind of forcing us to do that. Yeah. You know, what other European countries um, have done kind of on their own and just kind of taking a pause and saying, hey, let's look at this. Let's see what the data shows. See if this should be done at all or who it's uh, who it works for. Um, I certainly agree with you that I think it's being done too much. I, I just when, if you see the numbers um, uh, of the people that are, are doing this, I think it suggests that there are some people getting these drugs that don't necessarily benefit from them. So to the end that uh, we kind of put a pause on things, I think that's good. I, I certainly agree with you. I think there will be efforts to take away the sunset. Uh, that'll happen in four years. I, I know there will because I'm going to file one myself. But uh, <laughs> i i i have a i have a i have a sister who's a mental health professional in Florida, and yeah. I called her and I because the DSM um, five uh, TR text revision, which is the 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 up to the minute gold standard for the American Psychology Association or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they've they've taken gender dysphoria. And they've, it's still in there, but it specifically says it's not a disorder and it's not an illness. And gender, gender dysphoria is a feeling of unease with one's own outwardly appearing sexual identity. They say it's not an illness and it's not a disorder. But then they go on to have a rather lengthy criteria for diagnosing this non-illness and treatment for this non-illness. Now, I don't know how many non-illnesses we have in either psychiatry or uh, the physical uh, body, how many non-illnesses we have that have diagnoses, criteria, and treatment options, but that seems un- that seems rather um, not normal. And, and then I asked her, I said, do you know of any other mental conditions where the treatment includes changing the reality to meet the delusion rather than addressing the delusion itself. And she said, absolutely not. You know, this to me, and again, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, John, but to me, this smacks of the time when we used to lobotomize people. This smacks of when women had their reproductive uh, organs removed from them because they weren't listening to their husbands well enough. You know, I, I, I just, I really worry not only for the safety of these children today, and that's paramount. But I, I, I worry about what we're doing as a society. So, Yeah, I, I, I'll take your word for that. I, I'm going to date myself and say when I was reading the DSMs, it was actually a DSM-4 back in the day. I think <laughs> I get to five now. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, you bring up the point of lobotomy. And as a, as a person interested in the history of medicine itself, you're, you're right. Back then, all the things that we say about you know, treatment these days, uh, it was very fashionable. It was um, thought to be, you know, the cutting edge. And now we look back and we, we no, you wouldn't do that today. And I do think when I talk about this with people, uh, of course, I feel for these transgender kids and what they're going through. I do ask, will we look back in 45 years, you know, 50 years and say, yeah, that wasn't what we should have been doing. That's why I think it really ought to be studied uh, thoroughly so we can make these decisions in a, yeah. in a data-driven way. Hey, 
John, thank you so much for uh, coming on with us this morning. Your, yeah, great to be your, with you. Your maiden debut on KWTO. Yeah. And I look forward <laughs> to seeing you here in a couple of months. Me too. All, All right. right. See you soon. Thanks, Thanks sir. Guys. All right. We got to take another break, and we will come back after the top of the hour right here on KWTO. What's going on? 